Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking with Dave Monier, who is the Chief Evangelist at Team Cymru. Uh, Team Cymru is a risk management solution that was launched in 2005 that has a network that extends to over 143 CSERT organizations in 86 countries around the world. Uh, we're going to be talking to Dave about CSERTs, um, and then we're going to get into ASM, or Attack Service Management, uh, 1.0 versus 2.0, and probably touch on some other things. But before we do that, let's say hi to Dave. Dave, how are you today? Hey, good. Thanks for having us on. Very nice to uh, chat with you. Likewise. Hey, I took a peek at your LinkedIn profile and uh, two questions. It says you're down in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I'm in Orlando. Or excuse me, Orlando, Orlando. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Um, I'm, I'm guessing it's uh, it's pretty warm and sticky down there this time of the year. Every every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you're safely indoors and got the air count uh, turned yeah. up. Um, let me ask you, what is a chief evangelist? So, um, you know, for us, we have a couple different um, uh, we have a couple different uh, avenues that make up uh, our business. We have um, community services, commercial and commercial services. And to us, an evangelist uh, plays one of two roles for us. One on the commercial side, it's kind of obvious. You know, you're out uh, um, uh, you're out promoting the business and, and letting people understand that we're out here and what we do and things like that. But we actually started the business, our, our founder, uh, Rabbi Rob Thomas, started the business with the intention to make the world a better place. Um, and his belief, uh, which we all uh, stand by really firmly, um, especially those of us who have been around for a long time because uh, we've actually seen this work, uh, was that be useful and be good um, and the business will come. Like uh, a lot of people go the other direction, like they become a big business and then they realize, oh, wait, we've kind of lost our soul. Now we have to do something drastic to make up for that and, you know, what have you. But Rabbi Thomas's approach was let's always do good, always do the right thing, always approach um, uh, the community as your equals uh, and not, you know, no one owes you anything. And then your business will just kind of fall in line. So evangelist uh, to us uh, is a lot of that community outreach component. And we have a team of evangelists. Uh, I just happen to uh, be the chief one, uh, but we have uh, a whole team of them who uh, go out and they, um, they're they in seek of problems is how I would describe evangelism for us. And and that is, you know, to get us access. Um, so we're, we're uh, you had mentioned at the beginning, uh, you know, that we have a, a tax surface management product, uh, but that's just one of the products. You know, we're, at our heart, we're an intelligence company. Uh, we track uh, how miscreants uh, are abusing and using uh, the internet um, for their own gains. Uh, and uh, in order to do that, you have to be uh, you know, trusted enough to get access to the internet, but you also have to know what to look for, right? And if I'm not being attacked, it's tricky for me to find out you know, how, what kind of attacks are happening in the world. So you have to uh, evangelize your capabilities, I guess, to get people to realize that you're trustworthy and that they can share their problems with you. And with that problem sharing, not only A, do we help the people solve their problem, uh, but B, we better understand how miscreancy is, is unfolding uh, as time goes on. And so it informs us as well. Uh, it helps us do uh, right by the world. Uh, and it's 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 a very rewarding and fulfilling business model for what it's worth. So kind of like do right and then the money will just come. I think that's an excellent motto. And uh, that was an excellent description of what a chief evangelist does. I mean, obviously in every company it's different, but clearly you believe in what you're doing. 
And uh, what I like about it is, is you know, you're not out there over-promising and under-delivering. You're saying, hey, let's uh, develop trust and relationship. Um, we can open some lines of communication with the marketplace, understand what the challenges are that that our, you know, our customers and our prospective customers are facing, and then maybe we can come back with a solution. But if you don't have that trust and if you don't have those communications, like you said, you're kind of in a silo and you don't really know what the market needs or wants. So um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. That was an awesome um, introduction. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about uh, C-certs, and maybe you can just give a, a a brief kind of introduction or definition of C-certs, and then explain you know how you've been able to go out, or Team Cymru has been able to go out and um, deploy you know to 143 of these around the world. Yeah, sure. So um, C-cert. Uh, stands for uh, Computer Security Incident Response Team. You'll often also see it referred to as CERT, C-E-R-T, which is Computer Emergency Response Team, as opposed to uh, Computer Security Incident. Um, the reason for that is CERT is like a trademark name. C-E-R-T is, um, I believe it's owned by Carnegie Mellon University. So uh, uh, in order to use that term, you have to pay them some kind of license. So that's kind of where the C-CERT word came from is kind of the alternative that covers that same base. Um, but what we did, uh, so like I described, you know, we're, we're an intelligence company and, and we focus on understanding miscreant uh, operations. And obviously there, there are uh, ways to monetize that, right? There's, uh, you know, you can take that information and you can put it into people's firewalls so that they know what to block, or you can put that into people's antivirus software so that they know what to look out for, or you can, uh, you know, the, the, the list is endless of the things that you can do with that type of intelligence once you know of what's bad out there in the world. But one of the things that occurred to us is, is if you tell everybody about a problem, let's say, let's use an analogy of a fire, right? If, if you go around telling people uh, where fires are in town, that sounds like a great service, right? But if you don't help put the fire out, eventually there'll be no town. Um, so it defeats kind of the purpose of what it is that you're doing. So we approached um, we approach uh, telemetry and 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 let's call it you know threat data, threat intelligence specifically. Uh, we approach it a little bit differently than than a lot of other companies, where most companies uh, look to just primarily monetize it. We realized that uh, monetization of it was just one avenue, but really the real value in the world uh, was in remediation. And when, again, I don't mean value in a monetary sense, but again, think back to our mission to save and improve human lives. That's why the business was founded. Uh, how can we meet that with threat intelligence? And how we meet that uh, is by getting it in the hands of people who can do something about what we have found. So when we would identify like a botnet, let's say, you know, it has a million, uh, just throwing around round numbers here, but let's say it has a million uh, compromised devices that uh, make the corpus of this botnet. That botnet, uh, it's one thing to tell people about the command and control server so that someone might block it in a firewall, but what about those million bots? They're basically, uh, you know, a million weapons waiting to be uh, enlisted uh, to attack somebody, or uh, there are a million opportunities for somebody to get their bank account stolen or, you know, this type of, of outcomes. So what, what could we do about that? So what we set out to do uh, was to work with uh, national uh, and regional C-certs, uh, think, you know, as high up the level as we can. So meaning uh, we work with a nation and then that national cert can work with uh, sub-certs, if you will, within their community and they can, you know, disseminate that, that data and get it down to the people who can do something about it. So that's what we did. We launched the C-cert assistance program 
I want to say it's probably been 10 years ago now, maybe more than that. Uh, but we launched it uh, initially uh, through a pilot effort uh, through two different trust communities that we're uh, large parts of, uh, one being uh, Task Force CERT, uh, uh, which is uh, a European-oriented, uh, uh, primarily European organization, uh, but does have members from around the world, including us, we're a U.S. company. Um, but that's doing uh, very good operational uh, intelligence sharing uh, and, and making something happen as a result, a.k.a. reaching out to ISP saying you have you know, compromised uh, companies or, or customers. But, and then the other group was FIRST, uh, the form of incident response teams, uh, which were also a long history uh, of being a member there. And again, our objective was, you know, sure, we're selling this data, uh, and this data is available uh, commercially where other people can include it in their products and things like that. But at the end of the day, somebody really needs to make these bad bots go away. Uh, so we provide these no-cost services uh, to C-certs around the world. Uh, it's just a, a you know small kind of agreement that they go through that basically says you know they they promise to handle any questions people might have themselves uh, or act as the relay to us because you know we're a fairly small company so we don't need you know thousands of people calling us to t you know ask how to clean up their computers. Um, we hope that the C-certs will carry that. Uh, but if you happen to be a C-cert member out there listening today, uh, do drop us a line. Uh, if you just just Google Team Comrie CSERT Assistance Program or CAP. Uh, you should pop up the links uh, to get that free data. So if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, then I mean you work with these different CSERTs uh, around the world. Uh, and and one I want to come back and ask to yeah I, I guess that the the way that you were able to deploy to so many different countries was through the um, through the introductions of Task Force CSERT and First. Yeah, I, I'm and, assuming that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and there's no equipment, right? It's uh, it's an intelligence feed, right? So um, as we are, um, so our, our data access uh, kind of comes through services that we provide to the telecom world and ISP, IXP world. A lot of that visibility that we get uh, is derived from those relationships. And then a lot of it comes down to, you know, we run big global network of sensors uh, that are acting like vulnerable systems. So people will try to exploit them. Like it's referred to as a honeypot or a sinkhole. Uh, depending on uh, what, what method it is, um, but we uh, we run these uh, collections and and uh, we see you know millions of compromised devices an hour, um, and we see uh, we're tracking you know probably 25 to 45,000 command and control servers at any given minute. Uh, you know I mean there's a lot of miscreancy that happens online. So we track all of that, and like I said, the victimology component, we tend to put into what you could think of as a feed, right? Here's a, here's a, f a flow of IPs that, that uh, with timestamps and with, you know, hey, this is what is infected it and so on, uh, but you can get that information. We send that information out daily to them at no cost. And with no expectation of them, you know, they, they don't have to do something about it. Uh, though we do track it, uh, we do track like to see what countries perform the best, which ones are are remediating quickest, uh, things like that. I, I want to say Switzerland is one of the most responsive uh, nations in the world when it comes to that uh, type of stuff, uh, for what it's worth, if, if memory serves. Uh, but we do track to see what CSERTs are the most effective in the world. Um, but we don't, you know, we don't give them a hard time for it. Again, the name of the game is is being helpful uh, and not to berate them. So that's interesting. Having worked for a Swiss company, I can testify to their efficiency. 
<laughs> and I can also, having lived over in um, various countries for 20 plus years, I can say that um, some countries are very much more responsive than others, especially uh, when it comes to cyber threats. And I, I would really like to ask you about the ones that are kind of laggards, but I don't want to put you on the spot. Sure. Um, well, I, but I, I can tell you geographically, um, yeah. you know, the right. Eastern European countries uh, tend to struggle with it. Uh, the places where, um, uh, where, I, I, and I, I'm, you know, not going to get into some big philosophical discussion on you, I promise. Uh, but in the places where there is not uh, enough, what I would call incentive to do, be a good guy in places where it's almost equally or more so incentive to be, I don't know, a carter and steal credit cards. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those people end up taking those other paths. It, it's kind of apparent in some of those. So, and you can also see, so you can see the cult, the countries where it's culturally unpopular. Uh, and then you can also see the places uh, like Portugal, uh, where it's fiscally tr uh, hard for them uh, to operate in Spain. Uh, countries where where they were having uh, you know financial problems, you could see it manifest in you know well they have this many less analysts, therefore there's that much less uh, mitigation possible to have happen, um, and and uh, the reason why I'm uh, only picking European countries is the last time I ran the exercise I think was to to give a talk at the TFC CERT meeting or something and that's why I have the the statistics in my head, uh, but it was pretty uh, it was pretty uh, I hate to say but almost cliche, like it was exactly the country's almost in order as you would imagine. Like, you know, like you said, the Swiss are known for their kind of, you know, rigid attention to detail. Uh, and then, you know, kind of uh, the Spanish are known for being, you know, very casual and laid back. Uh, and their kind of report cards for, you know, internet hygiene reflected that. Great. And, and that's awesome. And I, I don't want to get into a philosophical or political conversation either. As an American, I, I think these days we are kind of coached in terms of what we can and can't say about other cultures, countries, ethnicities, etc. Um, and it was funny because having worked for a couple different European countries, they don't have the same limitations or restrictions. And it's so funny because I remember being out for lunch with some some colleagues from one country, and they referred to the people working in the restaurant, um, you know, just saying, well, that's the way they are because that's right. where they're, they're from. Right. And I'm like, you can't say that. And they're like, oh, yeah, right. yeah, everybody knows it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm like, super okay. familiar with that. Yeah, I'm super familiar yeah. with that. I, I, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting uh, that kind of uh, uh, overt stereotyping uh, is somehow OK in some circumstances, uh, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And I also find it very strange because it's not the American. Yeah. American culture is like we try to get along with everybody. And like over there, they've like, yeah, we tried that 500 years ago and we don't like them. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, they also have their stereotypes for us, right? So oh, yeah. Like yeah. I do my yeah. best to live up so, to them. I'm, I'm, lo I'm oh, loud at exactly. every turn. No, I'm kidding. There you go. There, there you go. Hey, well, hey, um, so let me just uh, just stay on the C-cert thing for a second more. Um, you, it sounds like you're pro you're providing, uh, you know, your the information to these members uh, for um, at no charge, right? Correct. Um, yeah, to no cost offering. So, and I'm I'm assuming then at some point do they introduce uh, end users in their countries or I mean how are you know come on sometimes you, you are a business okay yeah so, sometimes uh, that is uh, that is how um, you know reciprocation uh, can work there uh, mm -hmm. but to be honest with you our our uh, again our whole business doesn't anchor on that 
uh, in fact, at all. Um, okay. We're firm believers. Uh, um, you know, again, our, our founder's a rabbi, right? So uh, we're firm believers in, in these kind of just ways. And one of the things that we don't believe in uh, is, is uh, you know, trying to charge people under duress. It's unfair. It's, a, it's, an, it's an unfair business advantage when you know that someone is, is you know, uh, uh, can't live without you type of thing. To exploit that uh, is unfair. Um, so we would never charge these folks for this information anyway. That's kind of ambulance chasery. We know they ex exist. I mean, this is not a slight to anybody out there who your business model is selling reputational data uh, to C-certs. That's, you know, that's your business. Um, but we, uh, we, do, uh, we do primarily try to give it away at, at no cost in return. Though, you know, there are these instances where, and we've had it happen plenty of times, where uh, like a, a large ISP for this area, for say some country, they've get, they get data every day, right, from the C-cert. And eventually they say, you know what, how, why are you getting this? How, you know, how can we get this faster? What can we do about this? We're tired of chasing this. How can you help us? And that's when oftentimes those people will be like, oh, well, uh, we partnered with with Team Cymru, and Team Cymru is, you know, willing to help help you with that. And for those folks, we have a no-cost program called Nimbus, uh, N-I-M-B-U-S, uh, and it's um, it's a, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, let's call it an oversight tool, uh, and it allows people to identify uh, malicious activity on their network uh, using metadata, so not payload. Um, they share their metadata uh, with an instance. Uh, uh, from their devices, uh, and it does all the correlation to show like, hey, here's your infected devices in real time, uh, and that allows them uh, to go then remediate quicker. They don't have to wait for that time, uh, you know, for the C-cert to get the data from us and then to do something with it and then hand it to them and so on. They just get it in real time. Uh, and that is, uh, again, it's not a deployable device. Uh, it is an instance, you know, all the information's on one pane, uh, but that's a no-cost offering for those folks. Uh, again, kind of goes back to us helping them and they're helping us in return, and, and that becomes the relationship. So not charging under duress and no no fee offerings. I, I am starting to doubt your Americanness, man. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Nah. No. You know, capitalism. Uh, it, it's been. You know, I I grew up in in relative poverty. I I would say, and um, and it's been very enlightening to me to see that the cap that capitalism can work with a heart, if for lack of a better way to ex for ex you know to express it. Uh, but Rabbit Thomas was, was totally spot on. You know, you do the right thing and the business part comes in line, right? So we do uh, we do tons of B2B uh, sale uh, of the threat intelligence uh, that we develop. It goes into our uh, tax service management platform to help uh, people's uh, tools get better. It goes into uh, people's security products in the marketplace and so on. But that relationship that we've built with people uh, with all of the uh, uh, networking world also allows us to uh, ask questions of those pools. Like we don't get raw access or anything, but if we have a question, like if we know of an IP that we want to like illuminate, uh, we're able to do that. And so that uh, we're able to productize derivation of that as well. Uh, so there's plenty of ways for us to make money uh, with other people who are making money, you know, off of the same model. But basically, if the people, you know, aren't making money off what we're doing, aka the C certs, then we're not looking to make money back off of them. Uh, and for the folks that are kind enough to share insights with us, we're certainly, you know, not looking to make money off them either. Sounds like a, a very um positive and effective operating philosophy. And um, I like it. Let me, you, you just brought up a tax service management 
Uh-huh. Maybe we can kind of pivot to that right now and maybe you give a, a kind of an introduction to what ASM is um, sure. originally and, and now with ASM 2.0, what it's starting to look like. Absolutely. So ASM is a term uh, developed uh, or invented or wherever terms come from, um, espoused, I guess, no, but uh, from Gartner. Uh, and what it refers to is the amalgamation of a few different technical components, uh, one being kind of inventory discovery and asset management. So think literally, uh, you know, spreadsheets of MAC addresses showing, you know, who's got what laptop and, you know, serial numbers and this type of information. Think inventory control. Then a second step, which is typically like some type of, uh, you know, security scanning, could be vulnerability scanning, you know, that type of, of you know, what's this running, uh, what versions are it, does it needs to be updated or patched and so on. Uh, and then typically a third part, which is that kind of patch management piece, uh, where then you do something with what it is that you have uh, discovered. And that's the traditional ASM model. Uh, traditional ASM model though, uh, is lacking uh, what we felt was lacking intelligence. And like I said, as an intelligence company, uh, we very much approached doing business as we should stay in our lane. Like we be the experts of what we do. Don't try to be everything to everybody. Just be the best at the thing that you do. And so originally we looked for opportunities to uh, marry what we thought was a uh, quite an improvement on the ASM model. Uh, which would be the incorporation of intelligence, both in the discovery sense, but also uh, in threat intelligence component, meaning uh, what things, what problems you already have that your scanner just isn't going to show you because you don't have information from outside of your network. Uh, and then also, you know, what devices did you not realize you had uh, that only, uh, you know, would only be discovered because you're able to use, you know, external passive DNS and you discovered that, you know, you have some host not on your network, but, you know, has an A record part of your domain, something like that. So these were all shortcomings of ASM as we saw it, because you kind of had to know what it was doing already. Like ASM, you had to know your network prefix and you type in your network prefix, say you have for instructional purposes, let's say you have 255 usable IP addresses uh, or 254 or whatever, and and um, you put that in your ASM tool, well, that's all it's going to scan. That's all it knows about, right? So, But what happens if your dev team has spun up an instance of a test database up in Amazon AWS, and now you have a copy of important data that's no longer uh, in your infrastructure, it's not part of your uh, network prefix that you've told your ASM tool to look at, but it's still very important to your business. It's still your data. It's still going to qualify as a breach if someone gets into that data. But traditional ASM just completely ignored this potential. And I'm not saying that it ignored it in the sense like, oh, we know this is here and we're not going to. It was more like, best I can uh, tell, it was likely just an oversight. It was like, this is how the world works and this is how we solve these problems. And it took someone like us to come with something new uh, aka the application of intelligence to this kind of static model to try to make it more dynamic for us to see these shortcomings in kind of the light that they were. And what we've concluded was that ASM 1.0, which is just a term, by the way, they're not, you know, actual protocols or anything. There's no, you know, designation specifically to say, you know, 1.0 to 2.0. But what we felt uh, made our proposal evolutionarily uh, different was that everybody else's components were kind of a security tool. 
Um, and what we realized is that our approach was so fundamentally different is because we see ASM as an intelligence tool, intelligence tool to inform you as to what you have that you didn't know you had, allow you to know what to do with it so that you can mitigate the risk to your business. So again, not security tool necessarily, security may be the process that we're applying it to, but at the end of the day, you could think of ASM 2.0, in our case, is the application of various components of intelligence to make it dynamic, to make it learn and discover assets that aren't on your network, to make it tell you the difference like, hey, uh, you've scanned, we've discovered this new asset on your network on Wednesday, and it has a vulnerability that you need to patch, and you should schedule that patch, but it looks like you probably got breached already through this exploit it was already this vulnerability was already exploited uh, three days ago because we see that same host take traffic on that port and then it immediately starts talking to this known and again for instructional purposes let's say cobalt strike command and control server so that detail to know that to have that intelligence whereas in asm 1.0 you would think oh i have a server that i need to patch with ASM 2.0, with the application of threat intelligence and reputational data over the top of it, you'll know, oh, wait, this thing's already compromised. I can get rid of it instead of uh, try to patch it. I need to rebuild this instance or tear it down altogether. And again, it might be something that you didn't even know you had because if the ASM 1 model where you have to tell the tool what to look for, our model is the tool is telling you what you missed. And then lastly, uh, the piece that we uh, added as well that we feel is, is evolutionary uh, is the ability to apply some notion of business intelligence to the tool. So uh, I, I always use the same example and I need to come up with another one because I have really good friends that work uh, at Microsoft and I don't want them to think I'm picking on Active Directory, but everybody uses it, so it's a good example. But if you have two AD servers and one is your primary server and one is just there to make sure that patches don't crater your instance, right? Uh, if you scan that from the network, the network scanner is going to have no idea which one of those is the real one and which one is this development, you know, backup uh, instance of it, but only you would know that. So your tool, so an ASM tool that isn't, doesn't allow you to shape that, the prioritization of alerts related to those hosts uh, is kind of antiquated. Um, so that's, we saw all these things uh, and decided we should go and create a product because we didn't really see anybody's product uh, that looked like we could uh, lean in and, and provide what we wanted in the way that we wanted. Uh, so instead, uh, we did an acquisition of a company called Amplify. Uh, in Israel, uh, who are now uh, TC Israel, uh, and they are the foundation uh, for our ASM product called uh, Pure Signal Orbit. All of our products uh, are considered are called Pure Signal. They're under that umbrella. Uh, we have Pure Signal Recon, which is our attribution platform that I was describing to you earlier. If somebody has an IP that they want to know more about, or a domain, or a hash, uh, that platform is available. Uh, really, really powerful hunting tool, uh, and then uh, Orbit, which is uh, kind of a a risk mitigation tool. That was a awesome overview and introduction. I, I'd like it when I can just ask a question and I just go on mute for about five minutes. Sure. <laughs> you just uh, <laughs> you gave a very comprehensive uh, kind of introduction there. I have um, a couple questions. One is very very specific and kind of into the weeds, um, mm -hmm. and then one is in much more general. But uh, you you know you gave the the example of somebody spinning up an instance uh, of, of a VM or something on uh, AWS. And I, I'm just curious, because you said that, you know, typical ASM uh, tools wouldn't, or scans, excuse me, wouldn't be able to spot that. 
How are you actually able to do that? What's the the process or technology that allows you to kind of go out off of your infrastructure and see what's been done? Well, it's a, it's a multi-part. Um, a lot of it comes down to just visibility and access that we have uh, available to, again, by way of that trust model and providing services to, um, you know, the ISP, IXP, you know, world. We get a lot of visibility. We're also members of a lot of large data exchange programs, uh, in particular, you know, large data lakes that have, you know, passive DNS detail and things like that, showing where A records point and, uh, you know, just all the various DNS RRs associated with functioning DNS. Um, we have a lot of visibility and stuff like that. Um, but um, a lot of that, um, uh, a lot of that uh, visibility is available a number of different ways. Um, not just unique to us. I mean, for example, you know, Shodan is is an open source uh, uh, up to a certain number of queries. I think anybody can query it. I don't even think you have to have a license uh, unless things have changed. But so it's it's possible to get access to the data. But what we do uh, that's considerably different is when we onboard someone, we actually have one of our analysts uh, help the team tune the capabilities uh, of Orbit to completely meet their need. Um, and the reason for that is we understand, so that's how miscreants find it, right? Like um, how this, how it works, right? When someone targets an organization and decides that they're going to employ electronic measures to gain access to their infrastructure, uh, there's a certain degree of, of determination required, but there's also a, a certain degree of tradecraft required. You have to know how to find uh, you know, the th loose threads. You need to know uh, how to uh, find things out about an organization without necessarily just outright scanning them, something they would see very easily, right? So um, so we use many of the same methods that miscreants use, which you could think of it as, you know, passive discovery. Uh, we do a bunch of active stuff as well. Like we crawl the surface of the internet continuously, uh, pulling down service banners, certificates, uh, keys, you know, anything that, any facet of, of information that can describe what the topology of the internet looked like at a given time. So we use all of this kind of harvested and collected data, uh, and then a human being uh, who is uh, adept at, uh, uh, you know, identifying targets. It's like what they do, you know, so think intelligence analyst or, uh, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, red teamer. Think someone with a red team mind uh, goes and, and enumerates and hel helps identify those assets using uh, large pools of externally sourced data. Excellent. And that brings up my next question is, you know, you are providing this intel and you um, ultimately are going to make some recommendations or the intel will lead to some recommendations. Is that something that your team does or is this an automated recommendation? This or is, is it more automated. Yeah, okay. it would be an automated component. And our intention, right, is to slip into and fit into uh, your company uh, has an existing workflow, right? If you have a team, so like you don't go get a security scanner unless you have an administrator to run it, right? And you don't go uh, get security tools unless you have somebody out there to, who can do the patching. And there's, you know, there's a certain um, evolution to this process, right? So our tool takes into assumption that you have some operational capabilities like that already. Um, and then in our case, uh, you know, inbound and outbound APIs, um, you know, so so that you can 
manipulate and, and apply controls or policy through controls um, as needed uh, right through the interface. So block this or queue this up for patching or, you know, that type of stuff or update the inventory management to say, oh, we have, you know, six more laptops we didn't realize at this other branch office, that type of insight so that it gets recorded in, into, uh, you know, the inventory system. So our thought for now uh, is to at least uh, inform all those other tools, uh, but eventually I can see our tool evolving uh, to incorporate some of those other capabilities. In particular, if in the space, if we see where the application of intelligence we think uh, could upgrade that capability, if we're unable to do it, you know, with them, uh, we'll, we'll do it with the idea that we think the world needs it done. If you were in the market for an ASM tool and you've got, you know, an office full of vendors or potential vendors sitting there, what are the like three to four or five most critical questions you're going to ask them? The first question is, is do I need to tell you about my stuff or are you going to tell me about my stuff? That's that question right there uh, is three quarters of it is if you if their answer is, well, you have to tell us then then you're not going to be learning much you don't already know. So in the name of the game, ASM is to know things you didn't know, right? Um, you, if, you, uh, if you don't know to know, that's gonna be a forever problem. Whereas if you already know stuff and you know you have to scan, you know you have to patch, you know, you know these things, you know you have to do these things. So a tool coming to tell you that is like is as, only as good as a reminder because uh, you already know those things. But really, if your tool isn't gonna teach you uh, that's a big chunk of it. So, I'm, and, and then after that, I mean, uh, you know, you have to ask other questions like how much access will I have to a human being? Is this, uh, you know, is this the model where you send in your cowboys, but you leave me your clowns, uh, you know, when the rodeo leaves, like how, like what, what, how's this work? Um, and, and that's another key question that I would encourage people to ask. Uh, but at the end of the day, none of it matters if you're not learning new things from the tool. So I, I I'm going to say that one twice of the three. I, I I like that, and um, again, yeah, I think I think everybody kind of knows what they know, and if you're just telling them that, then what, where's the where's the real value, right? Um, exactly. And and people at the same time, people don't like surprises, but um, it's better to get the surprise from you versus the surprise from um, a breach or something else. So hey, that's absolutely the case. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, uh, Dave, I you know enjoyed this conversation, learned a lot from you. Um, any any kind of closing thoughts? Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys are going to be at any events or if you've got. I, I think you guys published a, a research report. Uh, maybe you want to uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we publish reports regularly. Uh, we have uh, we actually have a research team um, uh, doing uh, of intelligence analysts, uh, but we also do a lot of market research, which is uh, the report that uh, you may have seen. Uh, where we try to get, uh, for I hate to use the term, get to the bottom of it, because it's, I mean, for what it's worth, very few things in life is the good stuff at the bottom. So, but anyway, um, uh, but we try to really get in deep on topics uh, to better understand them. Uh, and our ASM study was one of those. It, it's really what motivated us to make our own product. What we found is that majority of people out there who have ASM, uh, like the static ASM tools, the 1.0 era stuff, most of them are, are leaving them. Most of them are not planning to renew. Of the people that we interviewed, about 400 of them, uh, both practitioners and decision makers, we thought that was very enlightening. Uh, so there's that report. But uh, if you follow our uh, S2 
team, like Team Cymru S2, if you look that up on, on Twitter, uh, you can see some of our adversarial research that we do and, and publish there. Uh, you'll see us mentioned in a lot of other people's work as well. Uh, we're, uh, for lack of a better word, we're probably the industry standard for, for uh, uh, augmenting products with intelligence. So you'll see our insights go into a lot of other people's research. Um, so you'll see us listed there. Uh, if people want to know more about us, our website is cymru.com. Uh, it'll redirect you to our full domain. But it has all of our community services. It has uh, all of our commercial products uh, and whatnot that is available there. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, David, M-O-N-N-I-E-R, uh, if anybody wants to reach out to me there. Um, you know, most of all, what if I could uh, ask people for anything, it's to send me your problems. Uh, we'd love to know more about where things are falling short uh, and why in, in places where you think it is. Uh, and in particular, folks out there who kind of understand uh, how the internet works, if you think that you have some problems that intelligence could help solve, uh, we'd very much like to hear about that. Excellent. Well, you heard everybody. Uh, send your problems to Dave and uh, he'll at least listen, right? So, hey. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's awesome. Well, hey, Dave, hey, like I said, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on Secure Talk. Excellent. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks for having us. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.